Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes with it. For over a hundred years now, it's what they do. It's what they know. They're really good at it, and they're also uh, really good people to deal with. They will talk to you about what your needs are, whether you're a farmer or not, and help you find the best financing or refinancing solutions for uh, for whatever it is that you need. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. The uh, United States Women's National Team is now ahead 4-0 over Thailand in their opening round game of the 2019 Women's World Cup. It's nice to have one of our national teams perform on a big <laughs> stage for once. And look at Richard using the lingo. Nil. Good job. I told you I kind of have learned soccer got, a little bit. You got, it, you got it going. I'm impressed. I imagine four. nil gets used a lot. Do I? Uh, it, I imagine Neil gets used a lot in soccer. It's uh, a boy. <laughs> I think Rippy coming with the uh, little quiet hot take there, uh, right yeah. out of the uh, out of the gate. You made it home. Welcome back. About ten minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> at least you. Yeah. It's like you had that little internal clock. You knew that you needed to be back at three o six, and boom, three o four. Here you are walking in the door. Well, that wasn't the plan. I hit traffic in Little Rock, Memphis. The scenic drive in between. Well, at least you didn't get stuck in Cenotopia, you know, like the backup on I-55, because that would really be frustrating. I mean, you, you get in traffic in Little Rock, okay, it's not completely unexpected. A little backed up in Memphis, yeah, understandable. If you just happen to be rolling through cold water and all of a sudden, bam, you're bumper to bumper, that's that's frustrating. Didn't go through cold water or Cenotopia, so you, you, you knock did. on wood, I avoided that metropolis. You, you did. Yeah. No, you, I didn't. You came home 78? You didn't go to I-55? Oh, I did. Oh, oh, Mr. Geography. In addition to his math skills, hey, Dad, he is off the charts on the uh, geography in North Mississippi. His doctorate is not in geography. Let's not let's not say anything. What is the doctorate in? It's in nothing. We spoke it into existence. There you go. Well, that's uh, good enough. Porky, what's up? Oh, just trying to uh, apparently mourn the loss of Kevin Durant. He sadly passed away last night, or at least that's how everybody's acting. Jeez, <laughs> oh, his career could be over. It, I mean, as it, we could, know it. it could be. It could be. But the charade around that injury last night was so embarrassing for sports media. One, acting like he died. I, I mean, one of the the headlines I read 
uh, called it sickening and tragic and disgusting. The injury. It's an injury. It's sports. Happens all the time. And then two, the blame game that everybody's playing. Oh, it's the Warriors' fault. Oh, the doctors lied to him. Uh, They forced him to play. They shamed him into playing before his body is ready as if he's not a grown man and a competitive professional athlete like thousands of others throughout the years that have played not 100% because they wanted to win because they're competitors and that's what competitors do. Instead of commending him for at least trying to play through it or saying, oh man, that really sucks for him. I just, I hate it. Hope he recovers. It is, uh, let's mourn the loss of one Kevin Durant Pay respects, may he rest in peace, and the Warriors should be shot to the moon because they lied to him and forced him to play. It's absurd. Bob Myers, the uh, general manager for the uh, for the Warriors, cried at his press conference in the postgame last night. Well, they're unrelated injuries, and the list of people coming back from a blown Achilles, the exact same as they were before, is zero. Well, apparently it's one, according to Max Kellerman this morning. He, uh, what, what's the debate show that he and Stephen A. Smith are on? First take. Hot take. Oh, yeah. Right yeah, there you go. First take. He says that there is a grand total of one person that he can come up with who has come back 100% from an Achilles injury, and that was Dominique Wilkins. And it's not like that was in the last decade. Boogie looks okay. But not anywhere close to what he was before. Who, Boogie or Dominique? Boogie. And Dominique's, I was listening to this a podcast on the way over, Dominique's numbers dropped off every year after it. Well, he was also getting older, and that's the other thing with Kevin Durant, is he's now on the north side of 30. Which sounds good and young, except in, you know, elite athlete world, once you get 30, the skills tend to uh, start to uh, to diminish a little bit. That was an entertaining it's that, game. It's that way in night. elite podcasters' worlds, too. Oh, 30, is it? It was, just, it was just over. I figured 40 was the uh, downturn in podcast. No, no, 40 is the new 30. You know, you, you feel okay after that. All right. Uh, it was, like I said, an entertaining basketball game last night. I did not watch it from tip to final horn, but I uh, kind of watched the fourth quarter. Uh, back and forth a little bit. The Warriors' backs against the wall. They're able to get the win. Have they got enough gas in the tank to come back and win two more? No. Okay. Especially without Kevin Durant? And Kevon Looney. And it took a historically bad shooting performance from Toronto. They still almost won. Feels like it's going to get extended to seven, though, doesn't it? So I wouldn't be surprised if it goes on seven. Sunday night. Yeah, I, would, uh, I wouldn't be and, surprised. And by the way, when I say Sunday night in Toronto, that's like three weeks from now, Sunday night, when they actually would get to game <laughs> seven, right? Something like that. They'll take a week and a half off and uh, make sure there's no time for Kevin Durant to rehab from one more injury. One full college baseball game could be played in that time. (laughs) In three and a half weeks? Yeah. You seem a little bitter. No. It's just a Monday. No, it's actually Tuesday. Today's Tuesday, yeah. You're a day closer to the weekend than you were giving yourself credit for. I'm just going to cut my mic off for the last two and a half hours of this. Hey, uh, a couple of good guests coming your way this afternoon. Aaron Fitt will join us from D1 Baseball. We'll talk about the College World Series as we get set for it to begin on Saturday. Uh, Mississippi State will play in the fourth game of the College World Series. So they will not play on uh, Saturday. They won't play in the early game on Sunday. They'll play the night game on Sunday night which is a really good time slot. I don't know, hey, Dad, you're all about not having late-night games, but considering that the viewing audience will be far larger than the actual crowd, it's a pretty good time slot, right? 
Oh, yeah, from from an exposure standpoint and getting to have your program out there for everybody to see, you can't beat that time spot. That's that's the game everybody's going to want to watch. So Aaron Fitt will join us from D1 Baseball. John Cohen, the athletics director at Mississippi State, will join us as well. We'll take a look at the bracket for Omaha. Which side is easier? What does Mississippi State's path look like as they get to Omaha? Who is the favorite? Some odds and uh, more. We'll uh, also take a final look at uh, Ole Miss's baseball season. I say final look. I mean, we'll probably continue to talk about it on and off for uh, for a few more days. Uh, but kind of a post-mortem on yesterday's game and the season as a whole. We'll do that this afternoon. Borky, I'm curious about this this statement that you've put in or the question that you're asking here. Does college football have a quarterback problem? What do you mean by that? I don't know if I would necessarily call it a problem, but more so there is a severe lack of star power at the quarterback position in college football. And college football is okay compared to the NFL. Do I agree with that? You may, because when you look at just – the list of quarterbacks in college football, the best quarterbacks in college football, once you get past, like, number five, it's a bunch of guys that either haven't produced and only have a name because of where they were in recruiting Mm -hmm. or fringe guys that you don't view as a top quarterback in in college football. It it doesn't need that like the NFL does but because there's the – you know, novelty effect of it, but I think college football this year, entering the season anyway, severely lacks star power at quarterback. All right, so just off the top of my head, I mean, without, I mean, this is not even thinking about it in great detail. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is is the the clear cut above everybody, number one. Then you get to Tonga Bailoa at Alabama. You got Jake Fromm at uh, at Georgia. You've got Justin Herbert at Oregon. Uh, Shea Patterson at Michigan. Yeah, but look at his Justin production. Justin Fields, you know? maybe. Well, no, but I mean, he he falls into the star category, right? Yeah, but that's a product of where he was in recruiting and not how he's produced. I agree okay. with that. Eason, Jake Eason, uh, Jacob Eason, who's not played in a couple of years at the University of Washington. What are his numbers going to look like this year? The true freshman kid at USC. Whose JT name Daniels. we can't remember. It's like 17 when last year. Daniels, right. JT Daniels? JT Daniels, that's exactly right. Yeah. But you see what I'm talking about? I mean, there was five. I mean, Ellinger at Texas is supposed to project as a, a, you know, going into this year, people think that he's going to be one of the best in the country. But then after that, I, I mean. Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. I think we can get a, I think we can get a deeper list than maybe we first give it credit for, but. It'll be fun to kind of walk through that this afternoon. Kelly Bryant count? I'm like genuinely asking. Mm. See? He did go to a playoff. He he certainly did. And uh, there's an NBA mock draft that's got two Mississippi players, one from Ole Miss, one from Mississippi State, getting drafted. Neither of them, though, in the first round. Sports Talk Mississippi just getting started with you on this Tuesday afternoon in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Glad to have you along. You can text the show on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. We'll be right back. You know, one of my favorite things about Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Rippey traveling is sometimes we get stories from the road. Hey, Dad, do not think 
that you get to go spend two days or five days or 12 days or however long it is in Omaha Mm -hmm. and not bring any A-plus stories about life on the road to Sports Talk Mississippi. So just consider yourself warned. I mean, you you got to be on the lookout. you got nothing to fear, and I plan to periscope a large part of our travel and, and some of our shenanigans with myself and my podcast partner, Joel T. Coleman, along the along the way okay so uh, you'll be able to keep well, up with us well i'm not so much interested in watching your periscopes as i am uh you having interesting stories to tell between three always and six on the i radio. always get them so you got nothing to you worry. don't all no that's why i'm saying that's why i'm warning you like when you made the trip to um where was it manhattan kansas san jose like, oh, to, oh yeah that's right you went to san jose and i was like tell me about the stories from the road and you're like yeah no, there wasn't really much got nothing for you that's pretty quick. Well, I mean, you got to like, go looking for something. I had good stories in Manhattan. I got pulled over. I got to drive the Cadillac. It was fantastic. Yeah, okay. Neither of those stories were told on the radio. That is not true. He talked Both about driving stories. a Cadillac. I don't remember the being pulled over. I got pulled over on the way home, yeah. Okay, well, you can you can bank that one for later. We'll, we'll get right. to it at some point during the course of the summer. Uh, but I'm looking forward to stories from the road from Omaha. You were at home this weekend, so not necessarily any stories. But, Rippy, you were on the road. We got any stories from the road this weekend? I mean, nothing really. Out of See? the ordinary. <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary. See, the beauty of Other than that, that, Uber, that, that lie is I have the story you told at the break recorded. So with a little sure. editing, I could yeah, play so it I, here. I, I, but we we got a lot of editing to do, and I don't know if there's enough time. So I mean, uh, it's not really like a story. It's just like how like well, tell me the story. Grinds Uber. my gears. Uber so, Uber on the road. So Saturday evening, we like the basically most of the Ole Miss media contingent after I guess game one went out and we went out to eat. And we were watching the state game, and like I think there was a hockey game or so. I don't know. We were watching like the finals and all that. And they go home at like 9.30 or so, and I ran into a buddy of mine that I went to college with that is from around there. Like, I don't really get to see guys that often anymore, so I stayed out for a little bit, and he was with some friends. So we went, and like, I sat with them while they ate dinner and had a drink or whatever, and then we went and saw a band um, at some bar down the road. Good band? So Yeah, it was fine. Like, I had some cover band, like, around Little Rock. I think it'd be the equivalent of, like, the mustache band here. Okay. Um, but, so... Just hearing a little eight six seven five three zero nine while you're in Fayetteville? I... I sat there and just enjoyed the cool weather. It was nice. Okay. Um, so then, so I call an Uber home and like, it's like, the, like there's places stay open later there, but it wasn't anything ridiculous. It's probably like 1230, one o'clock. I called an Uber, got back to my hotel, got like a water, some chips, walked upstairs and went to bed. The next day, after Ole Miss wins game two, we go out to eat again to watch like the Stanley Cup game and whatever else was on. We called the Uber. So this was Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. So we get in the Uber and, the guy starts like staring at me. And I was like, I'm in the backseat. That's kind of weird. Like, you want a picture, buddy? Like, I don't understand what's going on. And so, like, th- like 30 seconds in. Would you have autographed the picture for him? I, I would have done anything to get him to stop staring at me. So, like, 30 seconds in, he turns around. He's like, Oh, buddy, how bombed were you last night? And I was like, Excuse me? And he was like, Yeah, I took you home last night. I can't believe you don't remember me. And I was like, What are you talking about? Like, we're not, like, what? He's so, like, yeah. so you get in the same car with the nope. same driver. Nope. 
different car. He starts going on and on about how he drove me home last night. And he's like, can't believe you don't remember me. I was like, we're not friends. I paid you to take me home. He picked us up in a different car. He has two cars registered on Uber. And then just starts giving me the what for about, like, not remembering who he was. Like, oh, yeah, Bill from Springdale. Like, I don't know. Like, I'll tell you what I didn't pay for when I clicked Uber XL was for you to give me the what for about what I do and don't do at 1230. Like, I don't understand this. They didn't charge you for it. They just gave it to you. What do you mean? It was like you say that's not what extra you services. For. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't in your bill. They just gave. Well, it to I you hear for there's free. an option now to where you can click Uber in big cities and like they're not allowed to talk to you. I should have clicked that because this guy keeps going on and on. It's like, wait, there's a mute option for the driver on Uber. That's what I was told in big cities. Really? Yeah, because this came up when we got out, and I was like, yeah, that guy. But- I so earlier this year, I took um, I took an Uber. From Oxford to the airport, I had I had left my truck at the airport and had gotten back home, and so I needed to get it. So, like on a Sunday night, after everybody in my house had gone to bed, I dial up an Uber. Guy picks me up in my driveway, he's taking me to the Memphis airport. He did not stop talking for the entire hour and ten minute drive, and I was like, I don't really want to talk to you. I, I don't care that you used to have a boat in South Florida and that you hadn't talked to your daughter in 17 years and that, you know, your ex-wife, as hot as she was, you just couldn't handle being with her. anymore. I'm good. I just I don't understand. Like, would you ever like if you go somewhere, a ESPN trip, you get out late at night or whatever, take an Uber home, that Uber picks you up. 30-ish hours later in a different car, any chance you remember their name or who they are? Probably don't remember a name. I might remember a face. Okay. First time I'm sitting shotgun. Second time I'm like in a way back seat because there's a bunch of us. Okay. So all I saw was the back of his head until he starts, you know, eyeballing Did me. you talk to him much the uh, the no. first time around? Uh, I mean, not really. Like, I talked about, I guess, like where he's from. I don't know. Typical small talk stuff. But he didn't talk that much. And then... He got real bold when I got back in the second time because he starts like noogieing me about not remembering it. He gave you a noogie? I mean, no, but like he's like looking around and like everyone else in the car is like egging it on. I was like, I'm just a a verbal noogie. Yeah, I'm just gonna jump out the side of this car, dude, or maybe you could pie hole it. Okay. I I don't know. You pie hole. I just I don't understand that. What about the the wrong here? He, I think. Thank you. you uh, yeah, thank you. Because, like, he starts making me question myself. I was like, I didn't think it was that late. Like, I, I, it's a different car. It was a black truck versus a white car. Like, Complicating all, who, factors. who has two cars registered on Uber? Like, they should launch an investigation into that. I don't understand. You think there's some shadiness going on of some sort? All I'm saying is they should look into it. Don't forget, in, in California, my, my Uber driver, the first one, he drove a Tesla. Like, why do you need a yeah. second job if you've got this car? Maybe it's to pay for the car. Maybe you should just get a Hyundai. I was just start writing down complaints. Is there really a mute option though? If you're yeah, in a big city with Uber, it's, it's that's what the, I was told. Uh, it's on the Uber Black and Uber Black SUV options. You can't just do it on the regular Uber. Well, they I guess should if you got be on the, the regular. Car, like, Uber? hey man, just for the record, I don't want to talk. You know, I'm going to tip you and give you a five star, but just just keep this, it quiet for me. That's what I should have done. Even if I don't have the option, I should have just been like, "Here's five bucks, dude." Like, the only time to the metal I have ever did, did you crush his rating? Out. What did you crush his rating the second time around? I don't ever like. I probably could do it now. Like, I don't ever rate it until the next time I pull up the app. Just cause. Yeah. say that again, Borky. 
Oh, the only time I've ever tipped an Uber, because you can do that now, was when they were completely silent. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't get that. Like, Should you tip an Uber driver? Yes, you should. I but do. aren't they aren't they paid at a different? Um, it's eighty twenty, right? The, so if your if your ride costs twenty dollars, they get eighty percent of that twenty dollars. So they get sixteen bucks, and then Uber takes the other. I four. mean that that's like Uber's better whole, than than what taxi drivers get, right? And Uber's whole thing in the beginning was that you didn't have to tip them, and then they just changed. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, let's do poll question. On uh, on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M I S S, do you tip an Uber driver, Michael? Why do we have to go twenty minutes before we get to the good stuff every day? We should just let we should just give Rippy the mic to start the show. And what's grinding your gears today? Go. I don't know. Is this not part of the good stuff? I Mike's think when he said just, that he said that after the first fun. segment. So you know, the first segment's always the setup segment. We're gonna. This is what we're gonna talk about today. Oh, so do he you wants think us just Uber to dive right in? You think Squat's Uber experience was like the good stuff? Still jamming that square peg into a round hole, are we? <laughs> do like I, I retweeted something you wrote, uh, like as a uh, a primer for the uh, for the super regional. Real double edged sword there. It was like Squat writes, you should read. What was double edged about? Really looking forward to the Borky and Haydad podcast. You should listen. Maybe maybe that'll come one day. The Borky and Haydad podcast. No, you tweeting something that we did and said Borky podcasted. You should listen, or Haydad podcasted. You should listen. Oh yeah, I probably should do that. Yeah, maybe. But I only tweet like once a month, Borky. So get in line for next month, pal. Oh, uh, and we lost somebody. He's done because we're talking about funny stories instead of not baseball. Oh, goodness. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Stick to sports guy coming at you strong early on a Tuesday. Tell you what we'll do when we come back. What what was that? Uber Talk Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, Why don't we jump in and look at what's going on in Omaha. We'll take a look at both sides of the bracket. And uh, we'll kind of look at some of the questions from Mississippi State when we uh, we get get back. Good to uh, have you. This afternoon, Michael does say Uber stuff is the better stuff. I've always tipped them, and now I think I'm an idiot. You're not an idiot. You're just generous, Michael. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Uh, Hey, Dad, soccer question for you. Yeah. In World Cup, if it gets a little snug, you're trying to get out of the group stage, does goal differential factor into whether or not you advance? Yes. So being up nine to nothing, nine nil, if you prefer, in your opening round game is a uh, is a good thing. That's uh to paraphrase. If nine nothing is good, is ten nothing better? It's optimal. Wow. Is it a 10 bit nothing? of a, a bit of a beatdown going on in France? The uh, United oh <laughs> poor little girl just crying her eyes out. I guess she's for Thailand. Um, yeah, ten uh, nothing. The United States leading it with uh, a little over 10 minutes to play in uh, their opening round match of the Women's World Cup in France against Thailand. I could play FIFA on like the lowest possible setting and maybe not win 10 nothing. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. 
Yes, uh, pretty pretty impressive indeed. Starting to get right. mean. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what do you do though? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Man. Just pass Alex Morgan has four goals on six shots on goal. That is pretty good. Well done, well done, Alex. Wasn't she the star from four years ago? I believe so. Did they They're win? All stars, man, they're they freaking good. That team. It's they did win it four years ago, right? Or did they lose in like yeah. a heartbreak to Japan? No, they won. Okay. Uh, I just I couldn't remember. Uh, how about a little news item related to um, Omaha? If you are traveling from Mississippi, then you need to be aware of road conditions. As of right now, and this could change as the week goes along, but as of right now, I-29 north of Kansas City is closed because of flooding. So you should plan accordingly, uh, at least as of now. And again, as you get closer to time, if you're driving to hitting the road, you can check into this. Probably would be a good time to download like the Waze app, W-A-Z-E. That's not a, uh, a paid promotion here. I think it helps with, you know, backups and all that good stuff. But I, I mean, probably Google Maps has got it as well. We'll give you alternate wraps, but as of right now, I-29 north of Kansas City is closed because of flooding. So if you're going from Mississippi, I've got it on good authority that the best route is to drive to Des Moines, Iowa, and then go across 80. Uh, that will likely add about 45 minutes to your drive. Uh, we're going to get you an update uh, sometime tomorrow, though, to be sure. So if you're planning on driving to... Omaha from Mississippi, just a heads up on the road conditions. That's as a result of uh, all the rain and the flooding uh, that they've had in the Midwest. Bracket number one, the two games that are being played on Saturday. Texas Tech against Michigan on Saturday at 1 o'clock. And then Arkansas against Florida State on Saturday night. That game first pitched 6 o'clock on, uh, on Saturday night. And then on the other side of the bracket, games that will be played on Sunday, Vanderbilt-Louisville. Is at uh, is at one o'clock. The Mississippi State Auburn is at six o'clock. So that's what the first two days of the tournament are going to look like. And you have an off day after your first game, win or lose. With the way they set up the first couple of, uh, I guess, the first four days of the tournament, it's everybody plays, and then the losers play an elimination game, and the winners play the one and zero game, and you do that on both sides of the bracket with a day in between. So first glance, looking at the draw. How good are Mississippi State's chances to get to the championship series, the finals of the College World Series? It, it's it's probably a situation where you're going to have to beat Vanderbilt twice, just, just being honest. So, I mean, that's going to be tough. That's a really good Vanderbilt team, especially when you're thinking, you know, I don't think – I think Vanderbilt would probably go with Fellows in game one. So you're probably going to have to beat Kumar Rocker in game two. That's a, that's that's It's going to be tough. I think State can do it, but it's definitely it's definitely tougher on this side of the bracket. May I raise a point of order? Order? Yeah, sure. Just automatically assuming that Vanderbilt's getting back, getting past Louisville, I would encourage you to make that assumption at perhaps your own peril. Louisville is really, really they are good. really good, but Vanderbilt's going to be favored in that game, so that's just how I'm I'm going to look at it from that. My guess is you're gonna think about last I, year. You know, Oregon State hey, Ed, lost their first. Yeah, 
I, yes. I agree with you that they're going to be favored. Uh, like in terms of what Caesar says, you know, best odds to win the whole thing, all that. I, I'll give you those updated odds here and uh, just to say, yeah, in fact, Vanderbilt and Arkansas have the best odds to win the College World Series, significantly better than Louisville. But I'm just telling you, after having seen Drake Fellows pitch and having seen Reed Detmers pitch this year, who is Louisville's ace, Reed Detmers probably is better than Drake Fellows. Why would they not throw Rocker? I don't know. I mean, they might not. I don't know. Even if they throw Rocker, your path gets a little bit easier because you won't face him, you know, in, in that winner's bracket if, that, if that's what happens. But yeah. I, I look at Vanderbilt sort of the same way that Oregon State went last year. You know, Oregon State lost their first game to North Carolina, but State still had to beat them twice to try to get yeah. to the, the, the final series, and they weren't able to. So I think the, the, this side of the bracket, whoever comes out is going to have to beat Vanderbilt twice. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Vanderbilt's going 0-2. Even if they do lose that Louisville game, it doesn't feel like that's going to happen. Right. Um, just Is just looking past Auburn a bad idea? I don't think State's looking past Auburn. They're throwing Ethan Small out there. You know, they're going, to, they're going to put him on the mound, so it's obvious they're taking them very seriously. They're not just throwing Ginn or, or Plumlee out there. Not that those aren't great options, um, but... but it's just the nature of things. When you see Vanderbilt, you, you automatically have to assume this is, this region is going to go through them. Of course, you know Vanderbilt could be saying the same thing. They could be saying, "Look, this region is going to have to go through Mississippi State. We're going to have to beat them twice, probably, to to advance." So, Vandia and State are probably the two clear favorites here. Especially, I saw the betting odds. Arkansas is a little; their odds are a little, I guess, slanted or however you want to put it, because on their side of the bracket, they have two, three seeds. Whereas on Mississippi State side of the bracket, there are three national seeds, so yeah. you know, a little bit easier path for Arkansas, you would think. And then it's just a matter of winning the series when they get there. Betting odds for the College World Series: Arkansas and Vanderbilt are both plus three hundred. Next best odds: Mississippi State at plus three fifty. Then you get to Louisville and Texas Tech, both at plus eight hundred. Auburn and Florida State at plus a thousand. And Michigan at plus fifteen hundred. Of course, what that means is, you know, if you're just using hundred dollar bills as kind of the the note or, or the your starting point, a hundred dollar bet on Arkansas to win it all. If Arkansas wins it all, uh, nets you three hundred dollars. So, um, how would you do it? I- Order them from your favorite to your least favorite. You don't have to put numbers on it, but who do you think should win this thing and who do you think's got the least chance to win it? I would go Vandy, Mississippi State, Louisville, Texas Tech, Arkansas. Wow. Florida State, Auburn, Michigan. I would put What's, Auburn last because they have to play, they're going to have to beat Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. That's a really tall order, and probably beat one of them twice. Oh, I'd to get I, there. I, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I guess I was just I, kind of ranking them in terms I'm, of. I'm surprised you have Texas Tech ahead of Arkansas. They're really good. They are good, but so's Arkansas. That's no, I, I, I don't. I, I don't disagree with that. I just okay. You want to know the the reason why I'm, I'm kind of doing it off of pitching. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Campbell, fantastic, and and it's not that Isaiah Campbell. It feels like he ever dominates you. He just wins, and gets outs, 
and then gets more outs. And he may have seven, eight, nine strikeouts in a ball game, but I feel like you, you never. It's like it's rare that you get the leadoff man on in the inning, and he's never out of control. Uh, he's always cool on the mound. I, I just really like his demeanor. But I don't look at him and go, man, that's a guy that's going to strike out 14 in a game, and he's going to give you eight innings. He's going to pitch seven innings, and he's going to strike out seven or eight, and he's going to give up less than three runs, and he's going to put his team in a chance to win. And that really works because Arkansas is so good offensively. But the combination of their next two starters, Connor Nolan and Patrick Wicklander, it's not real impressive. Yeah. I mean, they're okay. But they're not great. Uh, I think Vandy's got two really good starters. Mississippi State's got two and a half really good starters. I only saw two of Louisville's starters this weekend, and actually the second guy that threw was the third in their rotation, and they were dominant. And Louisville won 26-1 to in two games without their closer even being available. Now they got a closer that throws at 100. Um, I like Texas Tech's pitching. I like their offense more than that. Florida State's got a little bit of magic going about them. I didn't realize that Drew Parrish was still pitching for them, though. Yeah. So is he just a salt? Is he a junior this year? I believe so. He was drafted, so yeah. Okay. Vandy's got kids not on the 27, man, that they're 95. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I'm 100%. Like linebackers. So I don't even remember. What did I, what did I say? I gave you what? What was my order? Vandy, Mississippi State, Louisville? Yeah, Texas Tech, Arkansas. Texas Tech, Arkansas. And then I kind of feel like the other three, I mean, Auburn, Florida State, you can flip however you want to. I kind of feel like, and then Michigan probably would be the longest shot. Oh, that's a pretty scrappy Michigan team. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Tuesday afternoon, glad to have you along. Richard Cross. Michael Borky in the studio, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. So the uh, United States women's national team, uh, real good. Talking real good in their World Cup opener. They won 13-0. Missed the extra point. Yeah, luckily that didn't come back to bite them. When did just... Wait, what? They won thirteen nothing. What did just nine nothing? It was four to nothing when we came on the air. Okay. Alex Morgan had a women's World Cup record tying five goals as they beat uh, Thailand in their opening round game of Group F. Good luck game planning for them in round in uh, in game number two. I don't, I don't know who they play next, but wow. I am seeing a lot of uh, people equating that to the men's national team. Like even SB Nation tweeted at the men's national team and said, "Take notes," as if the situations are are identical. This is like Alabama beating up the Citadel. Uh, women's soccer in the United States is the head Citadel and shoulders. Scored. Well, yeah, the Citadel actually scored. But you get my point. It's women's soccer in the United States is head and shoulders above every other country in the world. We care about it more. We put more resources into women's soccer than any other country in the world. We're the best at it. The men's side isn't even close uh, to the same amount of commitment, especially compared to their competition where countries like Argentina and Brazil, they don't live for anything else but their men's soccer team. 
Not that way for their women's teams. It's very different, but you get people equating two different things today for some reason that doesn't make any sense. But could they beat the Browns? <laughs> there are people in soccer that, they could. I mean, maybe, yeah. But honestly, no, probably not in soccer. Come on, Borky. Yeah, they could definitely. Come on now. Um, <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, the thing is, athleticism is so different. Borky, that's way too hot take. That's a really that, that's scalding. see Joe Thomas playing midfield. Like, why would you have to use your offensive lineman? There's only 11 people. Give me every wide receiver and defensive back. Odell going up for headers. Zero ball handling skills for those guys. That's fine. You know the best player on the team would be the kicker. Kicker and punter will be dominant out there. I think I disagree. I think I take the women's team. I'm taking the women to beat the Browns in soccer. A lot by a lot. Maybe yeah. maybe by more than 13 nil. No chance. No chance. Well, you talk about using Joe Thomas, you can just stick him in the goal. They might not get 13 I'm not so him, sure that Thailand, who just got beat 13-0 by the United States in women's soccer, wouldn't be an all-star team of the Cleveland Browns. The skill level would be would more than sub- supplement the athleticism gap. I agree with that. They would have those dudes on skates. Like, just make them look silly. But they couldn't run with them. What, how do you run without the ball? I'm talking defending. Even if you get around Odell Beckham, you've got one step if, past if him before he, he recovers. But if he can't, he can't handle the ball, though, Borky. It's okay. No, it's not. It's not even a little okay, it's, it's is it? It's not okay. It's it's not happening. It's not happening, Borky. I'm not saying they would win 13 nothing, but you acting like they couldn't hold their own is also disingenuous at best. If you no, get around, you are on an island of one on this yeah. test. That's fine. If you get around I, to Odell Beckham, if you beat him, if you make him look silly, you have one step ahead of him before he catches up. But he's got to take the ball, the ball with him. It's passing. It's shapes. It's passing. Okay, it's they can pass, it's, and then the better athlete will stay. I'm just saying they wouldn't be able to go score at will. The guys would be too athletic. They would overwhelm them with athleticism. Completely. Mayfield would get a red card 100%. <laughs> uh, C. Ray, who is a Mississippi State fan, uh, maybe taking exception with me giving Michigan the worst odds to win the College World Series. He says Michigan took two from UCLA at UCLA, so they may deserve a little more respect. It's not that I don't respect them. I think they're a good baseball team, and I think they're a scrappy baseball team. It's when you stack those eight teams together, who are you going to put them in front of? Auburn, maybe? You want to put them in front of Auburn? Okay. You want to put Michigan in front of Florida State? Mm. I think talent. I think there's a talent gap there between those two. You're certainly not going to put them Michigan in front of Texas Tech or Louisville or Vanderbilt or Mississippi State or Arkansas. So I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but, I mean, if you've got eight teams and you're going to rank them one through eight, somebody's got to be eight. Just my thought. Also, Stan and Ripley, he said, Richard, who is the one-half of the two-and-a-half good starters from Mississippi State? Just wondering. I didn't mean that as a slight. I mean, I, I said JT Ginn, based on health, second-half performance, and his inability to consistently go deep into ball games. I just think right now he is less reliable than Ethan Small and Peyton Plumley. You on board with that, hey, Dad? He's, he's less reliable. Talent-wise, he's... he's- much closer to small. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. 
But, I mean, when we're talking about elite pitchers, you know, and kind of what the rotation looks like, and we're just kind of going through team by team. I gave you two and a half. That's really more than I gave anybody else. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Cody, I think, is on board with Michael Borky. Pound hammer, think he even did a little time in the slammer. Sports Talk what Mississippi with you. She snuck out one night and met me by the Tuesday afternoon, Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, then Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes along with it for over 100 years. So if you need a crop loan, production loan, I think it's officially called, need to buy a piece of property, Got equipment needs as a farmer? Need to refinance an existing loan? Mississippi Land Bank can help with all of those things. Also, uh, thinking about buying a piece of property for recreational purposes, place to hunt, place to fish, maybe a spot to put a cabin or a shop on, Mississippi Land Bank can help you with that. Check out their website, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Um, I am always amazed. When I look at the television and I see Judge Judy. So I had it on Fox because of the Women's World Cup game. Normally I have it on ESPN or the SEC Network or something like that when we're here doing the show. Volume down. And I look up and there's Judge Judy. And I said to Rippy, it always is crazy to realize that that's the highest paid woman in television. Highest paid, no, I'm sorry. Highest paid person in television. $47 million dollars per year. She works 52 days a year. Going to bother stick to sports guy again. $900,000 per workday for Judge Judy. Jeez. Hey, Dad, that's good work if you can get it. If you can get it. We're talking Michael Borky money there. (laughs) $47 million for Judge Judy. I just don't know what I would do with that kind of money. Like, I was talking with a buddy about this literally last night uh, about, I forget what billionaire did something stupid. Anyway, we were like, how could you even begin to spend that kind of money? $47 million, the things that I know that I would want to do is buy a new car, a beach house, and a mountain house, right? And then maybe a boat. But outside of that, I don't know what else I would, would, would buy. I guess just vacations and stuff, but I couldn't spend her annual salary Uh-oh. in my life. Uh-oh, Borky. Those were 2013 numbers I was looking at. Oh, it's even higher? According to Forbes, in 2018, Judy Scheinlin, more commonly known as Judge Judy, reigned supreme not only in her own courtroom, but also across all of television, pocketing... $147 million oh pre-tax last year. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with that kind of money. I'm serious. I guess I'm too simple. I just couldn't imagine. Being able to never have to say no to something. What would you buy? What would you say you would buy? You'd buy a new car, beach house, mountain house, pay off uh, my parents' debt if they have any. Okay. Well, that'll knock out, like, what, a third of your salary the first year? Yeah, and then I guess vacations and stuff, but, I mean, what else do I need other than that? An airplane. 
Yeah. Well, what is it like a G six? Get one of those. Okay, that's a few million yeah, that, bucks. Though. That, that that no, that's like sixty five million. Well, then I would just do net jets. Okay. There you go. Well, I keep it local. Go with a local company and use Nicholas Air. Same type service. There we go. Same type product, better service. See, and, and that would save Plus me a bunch Plus, you keep the of... money in Mississippi. Exactly. So, boom. So, I, I don't even need a plane. Got that covered. And then what? Let's stick with the money theme just for a second. Do you realize that Judge Judy, last year, made $20 million more than Lionel Messi? Lionel. Potato, potato. That was quite the flip there. Hey, Dad, correcting Richard on pronunciations. You like that? It's only fair after all these times with Quanzo Martin. <laughs> fair enough. Lionel Messi made $127 million last year, $92 million in salary and winnings, another $35 million in endorsements. Second highest paid athlete on the planet, Cristiano Ronaldo. Did I pronounce that correctly? That is correct. $109 million. Neymar made $105 million, so it's good to be a soccer player internationally. Then you go to Canelo Alvarez, the boxer who made $94 million. Roger Federer, fifth on the list, $93.4 million. Good to be Roger Federer because you really don't have to win much on the court. $7.4 million in salary and slash winnings. $86 million in endorsements. Um, that is closing in on the record of Tiger Woods from a few years ago when he had $100 million. Tiger Woods had $100 million in endorsements before he kind of went crazy and ran into a fire hydrant and Elon smashed the car with a four iron and whatnot. You got to get all the way to six on the uh, list to find a football player, Russell Wilson. Borky, how does this number work? Salary and winnings, eighty point five million. So is that was there a signing bonus or guaranteed yeah, money? Yeah, guaranteed money at the signing. Okay, so that's why Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are even on this list. They are both at just north of eighty million uh, for this year. Both only at nine million in endorsements. LeBron made $36 million on the court, $53 million off of it. Steph Curry and Kevin Durant round out the uh, top ten. Neither of them are poor, by the way. Total earnings last year, $79.8 million and $65.4 million. Uh, does anything on that list jump out at you? How NBA players uh, with their gaudy salaries are still the most marketable athletes in the country? I mean, they're they're not watched as far as viewership goes. It's the NFL by a massive margin, and then college football as far as popularity in this country, and then it's the NBA. The NBA is the third most favorite sport if you split up the two footballs, and yet for some reason. Their players have a CBA that gives them the most money in professional sports, and they're also the most marketable. I'm, fa- I'm, I'm blown away by that fact, considering how much more popular football is than basketball. And then on the other side of that, where are the baseball players? No endorsement money for baseball players. You think about Mike Trout and Bryce Harper. What are they, what are they pushing? Nothing. They're, it's crazy that you think about baseball players and where they used to be. Well, those were big time endorsers, and now they're just not. 
The other piece of that, though, is the new contracts for those two guys had not kicked in for last well, year. But even if they have, I mean, are they, I don't think they're going to be in the $20, $30 million endorsement range. Yeah, you're probably right. Why is that? Uh, well, uh, Brian Scott Rippey had a very, uh, very good take about that. Baseball is a niche sport. Yeah, but from an it's advertising not- standpoint, it doesn't make. I mean, Under Armour huge for Bryce Harper. Yeah. Nike really big for Mike Trout. Yeah, but I mean, where is not where is Mike Trout in the Nike hierarchy? Behind LeBron, behind a ton of basketball players, behind a bunch of those soccer players, Messi and Ronaldo. I mean, that behind football players. And wrecking. I mean, in that behind a bunch of golfers. Probably, yeah, 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 no doubt. But definitely behind Tiger, if nothing else. And it's probably partially his fault because he is. I mean, he's very boring. Mike Trout is. I mean, he's a great baseball player, but you don't know anything about him. Enos Cantor was here in Jackson. He was at the the outlet mall on Sunday and tweeted that uh, everything what? was closed. I'm serious. Yeah, Enos Cantor. He was doing a camp in New Orleans and uh, was driving through the state and stopped off and took a video from the outlets right here you know, south of Jackson. But if Mike Trout did the same thing and he walked by in a public place, how many people would recognize him? It's probably a relatively small number. Yeah. I'm curious how many other than the fact that he's just taller than everybody actually recognized Enos Cantor. Well, his joke was, since we're, he said, we're in Mississippi and everything's closed on Sunday. And so he took a video of the empty parking lot and stuff of, of the outlets here because there was nobody there because it was closed. Was he not afraid that like Turkish spies were after him as he was coming through Mississippi? <laughs> Apparently not. That's a terrible joke, isn't it? It's not great. I mean, Ian's Cancer's fighting a good fight. I mean, yeah, he's one of the good guys. He he's teamed up with the good guy. I just can't imagine the existence that he's going through where you wonder, am I going to live through another day every single day you wake up because there's an entire country that wants to kill you. Just seems like the uh social media profile would remain Fairly low. And we felt like Mississippi was a safe place. Sports Talk Mississippi with uh, you. Glad to have you along on this Tuesday afternoon in the Renaissance Bank studio. Aaron Fitt will join us this afternoon. Uh, about 20 minutes from right now, we'll talk college baseball with him. John Cohen, AD at Mississippi State, a little bit after 5 o'clock. Sports Talk Mississippi with you Tuesday afternoon. Probably should go back and take a look at uh, yesterday's final game of the season for Ole Miss against Arkansas. It was not much of a game. Ole Miss jumped out to a one nothing lead, had an opportunity to extend it in the first inning, had an opportunity to extend it in the second inning. So a couple of missed opportunities early, and then it went sideways big time for the Rebels. Rippy, you were there yesterday. Before we kind of get down into the weeds of how it uh, – how it unfolded, maybe a big-picture thought on the game, the season, et cetera. The, uh, like the entire series was kind of reflective of uh, 
their season. Three extremely volatile results where they look like completely, I don't know, completely different teams, but like you had drastically different results on a given day. It's kind of how the entire season went. Scored one run in the first game, didn't really hit. You know, looked like an offensive juggernaut in the second game, and the bullpen was atrocious in the third game. Um, Gunnar Hoagland was left in too long. Like, he shouldn't have faced the order the second time through. Mike Baker said after that they needed length. I'm not really sure what for. They had Zach Phillips. They had Parker Crazy. They had Austin Miller. They could have thrown Myers again. Like, you know, Gunner's at, like, opponents are hitting close to 600 off Gunner the second time through. Let's him face Ezel when he comes back up in the second. You know, base hit makes it 4-1. to one. Not sure it really mattered because Austin Miller was not good. Crazy was not good. Kind of turned into a farce after that. But Do you think the Crazy not being good was a function of where he was put in in the game? Um, I mean, maybe, but it was 7-1 and they didn't score again. Well, no, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's 7-1 to one when he comes in. It's not a high-leverage situation in the ninth inning. You're saying... Hey, go save us. Go put up a bunch of zeros so hopefully we can chip away. And maybe that's just not his strong suit. I mean, I guess that's certainly possible. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, I mean, the best pitcher yesterday for Ole Miss was Zach Phillips. Sure. Right? I mean, yeah, I guess I mean, his 10 1 at that point. That's uh, a good point. I mean, he does. But so, when you look at the lines, he goes two and a third and doesn't give up a hit or a run. Hoagland goes. Two innings, five hits, six runs. Miller goes two innings, four hits, three runs. Caracy goes inning and two-thirds, three hits, five runs. Maybe Arkansas had cashed it in at that point. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I mean, after 7-1, to one, the game was the game was not a doubt. Um, I, guess, I guess what I'm asking is, if instead of going to Austin Miller, you go to Zach Phillips as the second guy out of the pen, does it change the way the game flows? No. I don't think so. Okay. Um... But yeah, I mean it was a confusing group at times like and then this is probably I mean this is the end for the bulk of the top ranked 2016 recruiting class. You know, fairly or unfairly that game kind of shaped a lot of different ways. I mean, they exit with one super 6 and 4 postseason record, one year without making the postseason at all. Won a lot of big games in the regular season, won an SEC West title, SEC tournament title, but you know, I, no trips to Omaha. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it won't, fairly or unfairly, it won't, I guess, remembered, be remembered as fondly without a trip to Omaha. And, you know, it's kind of weird to say if they had won yesterday, it was all validated per se, but it's not really fair in a vacuum. But just kind of the way, I mean, the way it goes. Um, I do think, like, 10 years from now, though, if you look back at that class and everything, I mean, they certainly had an impact, but I think, it, like, this game won't be really remembered as much as probably the 2018. And how that ended. Because that team was number four national seed. Like, there's a team that was going to go. It was that one. Sure. Um, in some ways, it felt like the burden of 2018 was lifted off of the shoulders of this team when they won the Oxford Regional. Do you think some of that burden goes back on them now? Because they didn't win a Super Regional? You're supposed to get through home regionals, though. I understand that. But because they didn't in 2018, it wasn't until they got through one that you were kind of able to get past that. Yeah, I guess temporarily. But, yeah, I mean, getting to Omaha is tough. Like, how differently would have been viewed if they had lost in back-to-back Supers? Like, probably very differently because Supers kind of a crapshoot in some ways. You play all those games for a two out of three. 
Um, I mean, that's so, a measuring stick, though, right? It's super regionals, full stop. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's, I don't know. It's just kind of a complicated legacy. They did a lot of things. They did a lot of good things, but you know that the trip to Nebraska is probably the one thing that's kind of missing from their resume. They did pretty much everything else. All right. So as far as guys gone, Thomas Diller's gone. Olenek gone. He's a senior. Gray Kessinger gone. By the way, Gray Kessinger, congratulations to him, named the Brooks Wallace Award winner today for the top shortstop in the entire country. Certainly well deserved. Yeah. Had a had a really good junior season and made himself a bunch of money this year because he was not projected as a second round pick when the season began. Yeah, defense was never a question. He just really kind of took off as a hitter. He started slow to the season, but a lot of that was where he was hitting and some poor luck. But yeah, he, he had a hell of a year. Cole Zabowski. Probably gone. Cooper Johnson gone. And this is just me. No, I understand. A hunch. Uh, Tyler Keenan's back. He's a sophomore. Elko back as a sophomore. Servideo back as a uh, sophomore that'll be a junior. Um, anybody else that I'm not thinking of? Crazy. I don't really know what you gain by coming back unless he starts. That's the really only way to improve your draft stock. Um, which I, I don't necessarily see that, but I'm not saying it's not possible. Um, Roth maybe comes back. He has a chance to start next year. So, like, that would be more like, like, he and Crazy are kind of in the same boat, but Roth feels more likely to start because he has experience starting, can give you, not say Crazy can't give you link, but has at least experience with it. Zach Phillips? Don't know. I mean, what else are you going to do? Like, would he be a starter next year if he came back? He'd have a, I think he'd have a chance at the weekend rotation. I, I'm not, Saying either he or Roth would end up being in. You got Derek Diamond coming in. Presumably Hoagland and Nikhazy will be in there again. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I would lean he goes, but I guess it wouldn't stun me if he came back. He and Roth were the two probably really in question. So when we watched on television this weekend, if you watched Florida State LSU, both of those games were close. And so the atmosphere was just off the charts. Uh, if you watch Saturday night, Sunday night in Starkville, uh, and, and it was a different type of game on Sunday, but just an unbelievable scene. The crowds were huge in Fayetteville, but because of the way the games unfolded, what was the atmosphere like? Arkansas blows out game one, Ole Miss blows out game two, Arkansas blows out game three to get to a second consecutive, uh, I'm sorry, to, to go back-to-back in Omaha for the first time in school history. What did it feel like in the stadium? I mean, there were a lot of people there. It was sold out the first two days. I don't think it was quite as full yesterday just because it's a Monday and people have jobs and such. But, like, it was just under 11,000, I think, both Saturday and Sunday. I mean, it was loud, particularly the first game because, like, you know, Arkansas was winning. Kind of the same thing for the second game, even though Ole Miss, you know, really extended the lead and put it away late. But, I mean, it was lively. They were paying homage to the live pig outside and all that and calling the hog or whatever. So it was. I mean, it was loud. There was a lot of people there. It was a good SEC atmosphere. <laughs> they were paying homage to the live pig. Well, they call it calling the hogs, and there's a live pig sitting outside the stadium, like a live pig that they quote unquote retired after Saturday's game and brought it back out of retirement to like ensure it, you know, help them get to Omaha. So congrats to that pig. He got the job done. Tusk. Yeah, sure. Some pig. That is some pig. You get the reference, right? No. Jeez. Oh, you read the book. We talked about you reading the book on the air. 
Charlotte's Web. I don't think I read that. We had your book. The guy sent a picture of it. You had checked it out, signed it out of the library. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's not signing out of the library. It's assigned to each class. Like, they gave me the book. Okay. Um, your name was in it. It was in it. Um, a lot of other names. Yeah. You still didn't... You still haven't read Charlotte's Web? I was like nine. I don't know. Sorry for not catching that one. It's Third, a bit of an American yeah, classic. Third grade was a heck of a year. Just a lot of stuff going on for me back then. Forky, did you catch the Some Pig reference? Yeah, I did, but I thought it was from the movie Babe. Okay, thank you. So you didn't catch it. That doesn't count as catching it. It's another pig movie. <laughs> hey, Dad. This is really not the point. I was saying the atmosphere was good. No, I'm with you. I, I loved the uh, paying homage to the live pig. That's the, what they call it. I was at, like calling the hog or whatever. Hogs. Hogs. They uh, called the hogs. I only saw one pig, so yeah. whatever other ones they were calling did not come, but that one was out there eating dirt and <laughs> hay or whatever it was. I mean, it was in a cage. <laughs> Why hey, they call, you okay? call the hogs? There's just one of them. You asked me to describe the scene. The the pig was in a cage outside. It's the, beautiful. Okay. You you have done a remarkable job of uh, of, of verbally a word that will painting. Not be forgotten. I I, it, it's fantastic. If you had just given me something, I was like, oh, okay, be good. The fact that we stopped and talked about it and laughed about it, and it was a good crowd. It was a lot, there was a lot of people there. Paid a little homage. I gave a crowd estimate, even though I was given an exact figure. Yeah. Dead on. Felt like. 11,000 or so? 10,059, 10,060 if you count the pig. A lot of people in the stands. Mm. That is some pig. Sports Talk Mississippi <laughs> with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Aaron Fitt joins us next on the Farm Bureau phone line. Sports Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line on fire. Rapid fire. Some radiant humble pig. The longer Rippy talks about pigs, the worse it gets. Stan says, I love listening to Rippy. Tim says, man, he's funny. Uh, vivid explanation. I feel like I was in Fayetteville now. LOL. And Greg, I'm not sure exactly what you're saying. Rippy sounds a little... Suki's being mean. He don't know. Then he does know. Okay. Uh, let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. That is Farm Bureau. Aaron Fit on your radio right now. You ready to belly up to uh, Omaha, Nebraska for about two weeks? I'll be ready in two days, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about the field this year? This feels like a, a pretty balanced tournament, maybe even a pretty entertaining tournament going in. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a really, uh, a really exciting field. Um, you know, a lot of heavyweights there, uh, and a couple of three seeds that I think are both better than the typical three seeds you would see. You know, they're both preseason, uh, top 20 teams. Florida State was 13 in the preseason. Michigan was 17. So, you know, they're teams that have talent. Um, and, you know, for various reasons, they were seated where they were, but, um, it's not like these guys don't belong here. You know, if anything, I think Auburn is probably the biggest surprise for me out of all these teams in this field, but, uh, that team's got a lot of heart, and they're they're fun to watch. And so, uh, you know, you got the blue bloods with with Vanderbilt and Louisville and Texas Tech and Arkansas and Mississippi State. So, uh, it, it's a neat field. I, I agree with you, Aaron. W when you look at it at first glance, if you look left side of the bracket, right side of the bracket, to me, it feels like the right side of the bracket it weighs a lot heavier with Vanderbilt, Louisville, Mississippi State, and Auburn. But I was talking with someone uh, who who's going to be there and is covering the event, and said, I don't know that I would agree with that. They, 
said that they thought Florida State was playing well above their seed and thought that there was a little bit more balance than I was giving it credit for. Do you agree with that, or does it feel like one side of the other is significantly more difficult? I still think that the right side is the more difficult side, you know, with um, you know three of the top eight national seeds over there with Bandy, Louisville, and, and Mississippi State. And, you know, I thought for me Mississippi State was my, my pick to win it all heading into the uh, the postseason, and, and Vanderbilt was most people's picks to win it all. And, and Louisville is kind of, you know, kind of lying in the weeds there as the ACC champion on the ACC by two games. So I still think that's the better side. But, but I do agree with the point that um, Florida State is not playing like a three seed, you know, in a regional right now. They're, they're a team that uh, uh, is very dangerous now that those young guys have kind of gelled a little bit. I mean, it took some time for it to come together. We knew it would because they had a lot of freshmen in their lineup. They had to replace a lot of key guys from last year's team. But you know, they got a really good one-two punch there with C.J. Van Eyck and, and Drew Parrish in the rotation that – those guys can go out and beat anybody. Um, and, and Michigan, with their pitching, I mean, it's probably the best pitching on that side of the bracket, frankly. So, you know, they're a three seed. They're really dangerous. We, we were kind of extrapolating things out a little while ago and, and kind of giving a nod to Mississippi State against Auburn. Uh, I know Haydad's going to jump in in just a second. But he said, you know, you, you expect it to be Mississippi State-Vanderbilt. And I... I was in Louisville last weekend and kind of saw that team up close and personal. I said, you might want to tap the brakes on that just for a second. Am I crazy there? I mean, I almost would give the the nod to Reed Detmers in Louisville from a pitching standpoint against Drake Fellows if that is indeed who Tim Corbin throws in game one. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, uh, you know, Reed Detmers is maybe a first-team All-American. Um, you know, a guy that uh, is among the national leaders in strikeouts. He had a great year. You know, he's got that big breaking ball, and um, he's had a much better year than Fellows has. I know Fellows was something like 12 and 0 before losing this weekend, but you know, Fellows is is he's durable, workhorse guy. He competes, but I mean, he's really not going to outstuff you. You know what you're going to get? It's two pitches. It's sinker slider, um, and you know, it's he's good, but he's not Reed Detmers. You know, so that said, Detmers has a very tough assignment against that Vanderbilt lineup. Um, yeah. You know, it's very, very difficult to stop that that lineup three times through the order, um, or even two times through the order. You know, uh, but but Louisville, I think, is a better offensive team than people realize. And you saw it certainly this weekend against East Carolina, a team that can mm-hmm. actually pitch pretty well, despite what you saw last weekend. Uh, Louisville ran those guys off the you know out of the building, and uh, it, it's a balanced lineup that has a lot of speed. Uh, you got a little bit of pop in there. It's not a big home run hitting team, but they're probably built pretty well for TD Ameritrade Park. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good point. Is there a scenario where you think Tim Corbin might flip flop Drake Fellows and Kumar Rocker for Game One? I could see it, uh, but I doubt it because it's just not his style. I mean, he, you know, he's got a long history of um, you've got his guy, you know, the leader of the staff that sets the tone, and that's going to be the guy that's going to start the opener no matter what. Um, he's done that for fifteen years, so I, I would be really surprised if he went with the freshman in the opener. Hey, Aaron, it's Brian. Hey, Dad. Back uh, a couple weeks ago, you predicted Mississippi State. You said that was your team to win the national championship. Have you seen anything so far in the postseason that makes you think differently of that? Well, the only concern I have is, is JT Ginn, you know, and it sounds like, uh, you know, the prognosis there is positive, that, that he would have pitched in the third game of the, of the Super Regional if necessary. Um, that's, you know, that's all the right things you want to hear, but it's still kind of an unknown, you know, a guy that leaves a start after three innings because of injury. You just never really know. And I think if he's healthy, I feel really good about that pick. Um, if he's not healthy, I mean, that doesn't mean they can't win it. You know, they, they just showed you um, that uh, Peyton Plumley is a very, you know, reliable quality starter. And certainly Ethan Small is, 
I think, the best pitcher in this whole regional. So, you know, if, if, you, if you win those first two games with those two guys and in the winner's bracket and you get some extra rest, um, you know, you can get by without that third starter, especially considering their bullpen is so deep they can piece it together. Uh, but uh, I would feel a lot better about it if, if Ginn is, in fact, full go. Aaron Fitt on your radio from D1 Baseball, talking College World Series. The Arkansas Ole Miss Super Regional. Uh, I mean, a, a Super Regional of blowouts, Arkansas in Game 1, Ole Miss in Game 2, and then Arkansas yesterday um, really got away early from, from Ole Miss. Is there anything that surprised you about the way that series played out? Did you expect it to be three close games? Did you anticipate this going in? I thought there would be a lot of offense. And, you know, the only thing I guess that is surprising was how lopsided each of those three games were. I mean, I thought maybe we'd have some more back-and-forth slugfest, and it wasn't really like that. I mean, there was a lot of offense, but it, it tended to be one-sided in all three games, yeah. um, which, you know, I mean, that's just, I guess, how baseball goes sometimes. But um, I picked Ole Miss to win that series because I'm stubborn, and I thought that group of juniors was, uh, was going to have to find a way to get there. It just felt like that group needed to get to Omaha. Um, but that was a tough assignment. We all knew it, you know, going into Fayetteville, as good as Arkansas is, that crazy crowd. Um, it, you know, Ole Miss held their own. They, they won a game out there, but that's just a really difficult place to go win a Super Regional. Aaron, if I told you that, uh, let's see, a week, two weeks from today, which I guess would be game two, uh, Texas Tech and Louisville were playing each other for a national championship, would you think I was completely crazy? No, definitely not. You know, I mean, I think right now Texas Tech and Arkansas are probably the co-favorites in that side of the bracket. I mean, Texas mm-hmm. Tech, you know, they were they were in Omaha last year. They've been, what, four times the last six years, something like that. They got experience. The coaching staff knows how to handle that environment. The players know how to handle it. They got Josh Young, you know, who's just an awesome player. And uh, it's like he refuses to let those guys lose. I mean, he had so many big hits in that Super Regional, as he has for three years. Um, and they got a lot of arms, just like Louisville. I mean, both those teams can run all kinds of power arms at you out of the bullpen. I mean, you know, Mississippi State can too, Vanderbilt can. I mean, there's a lot of really good bullpens in this field. Uh, but no, you're, you're definitely, I mean, that, you're definitely not crazy. I mean, really, I think you've got Vanderbilt, Texas Tech, Mississippi State, Louisville. I mean, all those teams, Arkansas, they're probably all just about on the same tier. And I know everyone's going to want to pick Vanderbilt. You know, they're the sexy pick. They, they won the SEC regular season conference tournament. They had a great year. They're really good. But I think they're on the same tiers as other teams I mentioned. Yeah, and to me, that's part of what makes this uh, this event so incredible. You've got, uh, and, and not to take anything away from Michigan or Florida State or Auburn, but it feels like going in, there are five teams that could legitimately carry the trophy off in, in about two weeks. I think there are seven teams that could legitimately carry the trophy off. I would be very really? surprised if Auburn, I'd be surprised if Auburn wins it all. I mean, that team, I think they, they scrapped it out, they grinded it out, they overachieved, frankly, considering the state of their pitching staff and you know, the fact that Tanner Burns isn't uh, really Tanner Burns right now, though he looked good with those two innings he was able to throw uh, in the clincher. But um, Auburn is the team that feels like the biggest underdog. I think Michigan has the arms to do it, and they have the athleticism in the lineup. And, and Florida State, you know, I mean, they're Florida State. You know, I mean, who's going to sleep on those guys? They just won a regional in Georgia against all those arms, maybe the best arms in the country. And, uh, and then they won a, a super in Baton Rouge. I mean, come on, you know. That team's got it going on right now. And, again, with Parrish and Van Eyck atop the rotation, boy, they can compete with anybody. So I, I think, for me, I would be shocked if Auburn won it all. I would not be shocked if any of the other seven won it all. But certainly it would be a big, big story if, if Michigan out of the Big Ten uh, was able to win a national title. But I think it could happen. I mean, there's a chance. Those guys are good. 
Yeah, they, they really are. Aaron, over under on the number of steaks you will eat in the time you are in Nebraska. I'll set it at uh, five and a half. Oh, that's a pretty good line. I, I probably would still have to take the over. I mean, it's 14 nights. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, the, the problem is... That's a lot of there's, meat. There's a lot of... There's a, it's a lot of meat. But, you know, and then there's a lot of nights in the ballpark where you're just kind of at the mercy of whatever's on the, the press box menu. Uh, but uh, whenever we get a chance, we sneak out for some steak. So it's, 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 pretty, it's a pretty good line. You're, you might have bought nailed it. The, uh, the the random night where they do steak fajitas in the press box, that does not count. That, that's not what we're talking about here. <laughs> Aaron, thanks for your time, man. It's been fun all season long. Might, uh, might try to visit with you one more time before this all gets wrapped up. All right, guys. Good talking with you. That's Aaron Fitt from Sports Talk Mississippi with you just after 5 o'clock on this Tuesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Check out their website. It's mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of land. If you go to that website, you'll see that they've got locations scattered across North Mississippi in Senatobia, Clarksdale, Cleveland, Indianola, Corinth, Tupelo, New Albany, Starkville, Kosciuszko, and Louisville at Mississippi Land Bank, financing land and all that goes along with it for over 100 years, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. We're going to push the college football fix back just a little bit this afternoon and go to the Farm Bureau phone line to check in with the athletics director at Mississippi State, John Cohen. He joins us right now. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. John, appreciate a, a few minutes of your time this afternoon. I know as an athletics director, you've now got responsibility for a whole bunch of different sports and a bunch of different programs and head coaches and fundraising and ticket sales and how the hot dogs taste. But for a guy that's got baseball in his blood, I know last weekend had to be a lot of fun for you. Yeah, it really was, Richard. We, we feel like we had a great weekend and you know, you, you look around the league and just see the level of baseball that's being played in the SEC, you know, with four teams in the league going and, and just a hair's difference between, you know, maybe two or three other teams getting into the College World Series as well. So, um, yeah, we really we felt like we had a great atmosphere and, uh, you know, the, the facility that, that we just built did what, what we built it to do, which is house regionals and super regionals, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun. When you make the kind of investment that you committed to, and you know we all know that construction prices they never go down from from when you start to where you end up, probably even more than you anticipated spending. But nearly seventy million dollars invested into a ballpark. I know the reviews throughout the season have been really, really good from everybody that's been there. But the display, especially on Sunday night, and in some ways, I felt I think I used this phrase yesterday. It felt after about the fourth inning, more like a coronation or more like a celebration than just a baseball game, that's really what the new Duty Noble was all about, right? You know, as a coach, when we would go through the recruiting process here at Mississippi State, um, I, I would tell kids my experience as a former player here, which is there are times as a player where doubt can get in your mind and you can – you can say to yourself, man, I did, I'm just not seeing it good right now or I'm not pitching it good right now. I'm telling you, 10-plus thousand people, they can will you to do things that you, you might not think you can do on your own. And when you have that many people supporting you, it, it's a feeling that you never forget. I, I am telling you, Will Clark and Rafael Palmero are two of the greatest players in college history, 
and they're two of the best hitters in the history of baseball, in my opinion. Those guys say the greatest experience they've ever had in baseball was here at Mississippi State. And you're talking about one guy who played in the big leagues for 20 years and one guy who played in the big leagues for 15. Um, I never played in the big leagues, but I understand exactly what they are saying. And I, I just can't give enough credit to those people who walk through those turnstiles and, and give these players everything they got. John, to have the ninth inning that you had, and obviously not as the, the home team, but as the visiting team there in the, the top of the ninth, where in his final at-bat, given all that he's accomplished, Jake Mangum gets a hit that looks like so many of other of Jake Mangum's hits, where he just he, you know slaps one through the left side of the infield, base hit. And then to have Elijah McNamee hit the home run, uh, given all that he's gone through with injuries and the frustration of not being drafted, that's kind of storybook stuff, isn't it? It is, because you know what? I mean, just two and a half, three weeks ago, you know, he, he has surgery on his foot, and I, I think they put some screws in his foot to, to hold the bones together. He, he's not getting a play, and his his teammates support him, and he, he just are thrilled for that young man. I remember when we recruited him out of junior college in Texas, his head coach, Harvey McIntyre, played for me at Northwestern, and he just said, hey, there's something about this kid. He, he rises to the occasion when you need him the most. He, he will come through in the clutch. And, boy, he just kept doing that over and over and over again for Mississippi State. And I don't think any of our fans will ever forget who Elijah McNamee is. And, and what else can you say about Jake Mangum's four years here? Just the model of consistency. And, you know, pe- people love the way he goes about his daily routine. He, he's just going to give you everything you have. And I'll tell you something. What most people don't understand is, he gives the same kind of effort every day in practice that he does in, in games. And uh, I've experienced that firsthand. And I think that has a lot to do with the way his mom and his dad, you know, raised him. And, uh, yeah, just, just really proud of those guys. You know, how about an Ethan Small who had arm surgery just two and a half years ago and really has become one of the best left-handers in the history of Mississippi State University, which is saying a lot also. Hey, John, it's Brian. Hey, Dad. When you think about where the program was when you took over as head coach back in, back almost you know a little bit over a decade ago to where it is now four straight super regionals two straight two straight trips to college world series is it fair to say that this program is back where it was in the 80s and, and in the 90s where it was consistently one of the best programs in the country you know i'm just going to say that i i think it's better now than when i played here because if you look at the amount of draft picks the amount of first-rounders over the last eight years here, I believe five first-rounders in the last eight years, um, that, that hasn't happened a lot in the history of this program. Um, there was a time, uh, in, in my opinion, where you know the average velocity you know, in college baseball is probably somewhere around 85 miles an hour. In the SEC right now, the average SEC fastball is about 91.7 miles an hour. I mean, everything is elevated. Everybody's better. Um, I think the caliber of players we're getting at Mississippi State is better than it's, than it's ever been before. The, the weight training, the, every part of it's better. Um, and, and I'm not afraid to admit that. I, I Listen, I, I was an all-SEC baseball player at Mississippi State as a senior year. I, I, my skill level back then just wouldn't compete right now. It just wouldn't. I, I would have to raise to a whole different level. I see that every day. A lot of fans, have, you know, look – Look, look back to the past with rose-colored glasses, but 
I'm just amazed at what these kids who come into our program now can do and have done for Mississippi State. John Cohen, Athletics Director at Mississippi State on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. John, because you've played the game, because you've you've coached as an assistant and as a head coach, I assume you probably are able to answer this with a, a little bit of a unique perspective. The, the job that Chris Limonis has done this year, just having a good team returning or, or just having a, a good team from a talent standpoint doesn't mean that you win 51 games and that you sweep through a regional and a super regional. As you've kind of been able to watch from a different perspective, how difficult has the job been for Chris Lamonis to make all the right decisions and to push the right buttons and to kind of uh, quickly figure out what his team was and kind of what the makeup and the personality of it was to allow his leadership to kind of take this team to where it's gotten? Well, he's done a phenomenal job. In my opinion, he, nothing, I'm not taking anything away from any of the other coaches in the league, but I, to me, he's the coach of the year in this league. He took over a whole new group. He had to adapt himself to them, and that's the strength of Chris. Chris is an outstanding coach. He's a great motivator. He's a wonderful recruiter. But instead of saying, hey, you're going to all adapt to me, I'm going to adapt to you so that we can be the best we can be during the course of this year, and what an incredible job he has done. I, I said from the beginning, he really reminds me of Ron Polk from this standpoint. I, I played for a younger version of Ron Polk who you liked, you respected, um, you, you knew that there was discipline there and that you had to live up to. There was a level of expectation. Um, but you felt comfortable. You were always, he made you feel comfortable and confident all the time. And I think Chris has those attributes. I really do. Uh, and I think he's done an incredible job. I think I don't know of many coaches in the country that could have taken a, a whole new group like this. And keep this in mind, guys. I know we've won 51 so far. But last year, we only won 30, I don't know, 38, 39, whatever it is. He, he has really taken this thing to a new level. And here, here's another mark of a great coach for me. How many kids get better from their freshman, sophomore, sophomore to junior, and on and on and on. Every one of our kids, in my opinion, including Jake Mangum, by the way, every one of our kids got better this year, and that's why I think he's the coach of the year in the SEC. John, got a little bit less than a minute left. I heard Ben McDonald say at one point on one of the broadcasts this week, and you, you look around at everything that Mississippi State's accomplished in baseball, the only thing that's missing is that national championship trophy. Is this team the the most equipped to bring the trophy home of maybe any team in the previous 10 that have gone to the College World Series? Yeah, I think it's a pretty complete team and with Ethan leading the way and a really solid lineup and what Peyton Plumlee's done his last couple of times out. I think they have as good a chance as anybody, but you guys know you got to be a little fortunate. you got to get that right hop. you, you got to get that fortunate break. Um, if that happens for us, I don't see why you know we couldn't win a bunch of games and you know, you're going to have to get through a Vanderbilt. You're going to have to get through an, an Auburn team right now that's on fire, that's coached by, by my really good friend, uh, Butch Thompson. Um, it's it's going to be a real challenge for them, but I think they're equipped to be being able to do that. John, really appreciate your time. Enjoy the uh, the time in Omaha coming up later this week. Hey, by the way, we're just talking about Ben McDonald. I, I just thank God we don't have to face Ben McDonald in the College <laughs> World Series because I'll tell you what, guys, I had to face that guy and – when you're standing at six foot eight and it's coming out of there 100 miles an hour, it's, uh, that was not fun. But uh, right. anyway, thank you all so much for having me on the show.
Thanks so much. John Cohen, Mississippi State Athletics Director. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Glad to have you along. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out about all the great savings you can get on Ford's entire line of cars, trucks, and SUVs, including the best-selling truck in America for the last 42 years, the F-150. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. And from now through just a little bit after the 4th of July, Ford reminds you that as a way of saying thank you, they've got extra special savings on top of the already good incentives on the cars, trucks, and SUVs that they are offering for military and first responders. So if you are a current or former military member or a first responder, then Ford wants to say thank you, and they are doing that by offering some extra special savings for you. You can find out more at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. As part of that, we are sharing with you some stories from hometowns across the state of Mississippi of some of our military veterans and some of our first responders. Here's one for you, and this is a good one. Got to go back to 1941. Tut Patterson was on Mississippi State's 1941 SEC championship football team. That team went 8-1-1. and Robert B. Tut Patterson is from Itabina, Mississippi. He was a major in the U.S. Army, in the Parachute Infantry, part of the 82nd Airborne Division, and was Division Provost Marshal. He served in World War II, 27 months in Europe, including time in Normandy, Ardennes, Western Europe, Rhineland, and Central Europe as well. During his time as part of the 82nd Airborne, Tut Patterson made five combat jumps, including the D-Day invasion and the Battle of the Bulge. He survived World War II and lived to be 96 years old, passed away in 2017. Tut's son John shared that story with us and sent some fantastic pictures of him on that 1941 SEC championship team uh, the uh, the pictures are a little bit different than uh, maybe the action shots that we see today. Leather helmet for Robert B. Tut Patterson and one of Mississippi State's all-time legends. So thank you to Tut's son, John, for sharing, uh, sharing that story, to the Patterson family, and to all of those who are serving in the United States military at home and abroad. We say thank you, and so does Ford. All right, so for your college football fix today, Borky, you asked the question, is college football lacking in quality quarterback play? In fact, the way you asked it earlier was, do we have a quarterback problem in college football? Why do you think that's a reasonable question? Especially, and part of it is because there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, there's if you go and find a list of the quarterbacks in college football, there's a lot of guys you've probably never heard of, but quite frankly, there is just... A, a big-time lack in proven, high-quality quarterbacks that are currently 
that are going to be on the field in 2019 in college football. There is not very much depth at that position going into this year. Now, that could change and somebody could emerge, but right now, from what we know, college football from a proven guy that's won, that's done it consistently, whatever you want to quantify it as, college football is missing a long roster of good quarterbacks right now. All right, so we did this say that earlier in, in the show. So just top of the head, Trevor Lawrence, everybody thinks is going to be the best quarterback in college football, and he's the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. What about after that? Tua Tonga-Vailoa's name from Alabama pops to the top of the list. I feel like Jalen Hurts has got to be there because of what he accomplished at Alabama and because of who he's playing for at Oklahoma. Um, Shea Patterson at Michigan... I think, has to be on the list. Everybody knows who he is, but not because he's produced. It's because he was the number one quarterback in the country, had the high-profile transfer, and now he's a starter at one of the most storied programs in all of college football. And is on a team that is going to be at least in the conversation for the college football playoff. You would think so with the way their schedule sets up, but they replaced a ton, or have to replace a ton on defense. So, you know, we'll see. Um... Jake Fromm, right? I mean, he's got to be set up for a big, big season at Georgia. New offensive coordinator, uh, Cheney out as the offensive coordinator, and I think the expectation for most is that that offense is going to look a little bit different this year, that there'll be a little more play action, that they may take some more shots down the field. How how high are you on Jake Fromm? Very high. Great college quarterback. I think he, he, he I think he's got a good chance to be a good pro too. I mean, he he is a game he's a talented game manager. Sometimes game manager means and they're not that talented but they don't lose the game. See Burrow, Joe. But <laughs> with uh with Fromm, I think he's actually talented. I think he's a guy who can go out and win games for you. LSU beat Georgia, right? Here we go. They did. They did. Oh, now you got hate that upset. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just wonder, Jake Fromm's got, I mean, he's obviously been pretty good, but I I just wonder if, how good he really is. Because, yeah, put him somewhere else. It's the Jalen Hurts tool argument that we have to make. There's no way of telling, you know, if you took Jake Fromm and put him in Kentucky, how good he would be. You know, there's just just no way to tell. but. But you can see, Tua, the way he plays, that he would be excellent anywhere. But you couldn't do that with these crazy numbers. I don't. Maybe not that much, but you know that he is supremely talented. Yeah, but I think Fromm is talented. Fromm was a five-star kid coming out of high school. He's got the pedigree. Just to this point, hasn't been really hasn't really been asked to do anything major, and then also they haven't been able to overcome the biggest moment yet, which isn't really fair to put on his shoulders. But they haven't done that yet. I mean, he he had he had him with a three-point lead in the uh, national championship game. And then his defense, you know, gave up a big play. But he had them in position to win. I, I think Borky hit a, on he something. Took sack, he took a terrible sack, though, and they had to nail a hell, hell of a field goal to get the three-point lead. That's fair. Well, I was just going to say that, that Borky's point of he's he's done what he's been asked to do. Sure, but, like, I'm just saying if you put – I'm not making it a Burrow-Fromm thing, but, like, I feel like he could put a number of guys in that position and the, the team would have still been in the same spot. What about Sam Ellinger at Texas? He threw for almost 3,300 yards last year, 25 touchdowns with just five picks, and had 16 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, he's, he's a good athlete. Like, How is no Jake Wayne. Bentley still in college? <laughs> he started playing at South Carolina when he was 12. 
And what's I funny about so. that is he should just be a sophomore. You know, he came out of high school a year early and uh, and got to South Carolina. On, on a list from CBS Sports, they, they tiered these quarterbacks in tiers one, two, and three. At the end of the second tier, a guy who is on the schedule for Ole Miss in week one, Memphis quarterback Brady White, who threw for almost 3,300 yards last year, 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So Memphis is replacing a lot. Um, Both play callers, too, as well, right? Yeah, as well. That was a double negative, but you get my point. Yeah. A lot of changes, but at the most important position on the field, they've got a guy who has played well and is going to be back. Also, but, but look at this list, though. This is what I'm talking about. So, so tier one, the way they did this, uh, you have five, and this is inarguable. Even though I think Trevor Lawrence is better than Tua, but you have Tua, Trevor Lawrence, Jake Fromm, Ellinger, and Justin Herbert. All of those guys are going to get shots in the NFL, and they're good college quarterbacks. Tier number two, I mean, look at this. Names that people probably have never heard of. I've seen Mason Fine play. I think he's a really good player. But, I mean, you have this kid from Nebraska who's he's an okay passer, but he's more of a runner. Not going to be anything significant, I don't think, unless he really improves throwing the football. You've got Kellen Mond there, who was better, but still is just kind of a dude right now. That's your tier two in college football. It is. There are. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. When when you look at quarterbacks across college football this year, and the guys who right now you think are just good, like eh, they're fine. Eh, your, your point about Kellen Mond is saying, "Hey, eh, just a dude." Is there a guy out there that you think during this season elevates himself from just a guy that's a good quarterback to elite quarterback that plays himself into the first round of the draft? Ooh. There's there's one guy who's not on this list because he didn't have any stats last year. Okay, it's who's Justin that? Justin Fields. Justin Fields at Ohio State. Man, he'll yeah. be in a really good system on a yeah, team man, with a great coach for offense. He'll be he'll be he'll be on this list next year. What if I said Felipe Franks? I was just thinking that. Oh, I don't know. I mean, he's got. He's Wait, good. hold on a second. Is Dan Mullen all of a sudden not the quarterback whisperer for you no, anymore? No, no, he's he, he's and he's got. I just wonder if he is if, if last year he maxed out Franks. I don't know if Franks can take another step. Well, well he's got baseball to fall back on. Well, apparently, and it's not like Dan Dan Mullen is really good with developing college quarterbacks, but you're talking about translating to professional football. Well, yeah. I guess Only I feel like if you put up big numbers in the SEC and you've got a fr- a frame like Felipe Franks has got, I mean, Borky, you say did did, did he max out, or maybe Haydad said did he max out? Think about where he was a year ago, or, or two years ago, to where he finished last season. He went from like just a like not a good college quarterback to a really serviceable college quarterback that finished the season on a strong note. Given the way he was looked at coming out of high school, I don't think it's crazy at all to think that he takes another step forward this year. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.